Welcome to the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. The aim of the podcast is to get us all talking about money more. Talking about money is still considered to be a taboo. We don't talk about money enough. Women don't talk about money enough. And that needs to stop. In this podcast, my guests and I talk about money, mindset, and how to turn around limiting beliefs, allowing you to develop a healthy, wealthy money mindset. Our relationship with money doesn't just affect our finances, but impacts every aspect of our business. And most of all, our own sense of self-value and self-worth. By mastering your mindset, you can in turn master the money you make in your business. Welcome to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast with me, Leslie Thomas. Today, I would like to introduce you to Paula Eddy. She is an amazing leadership coach, founder of On Point Leadership, and host of her own podcast, Game of Leadership, the podcast for curious leaders. Paula helps leaders to identify their true purpose and to unlock their deep reserve of energy, drive, and natural aptitude that feels authentic to them. As a leadership coach and facilitator, Paula supports her clients to create a clear roadmap for themselves, which will take them beyond their comfort zone and into their growth and learning zone. It is her belief, and one we certainly share, if you commit and take action, anything is possible. Welcome to the podcast, Paula. It is so good to have this chance to talk with you. Oh, I'm so excited to be chatting to you today, Leslie. Thanks so much for having me. So I'm going to ask you the same question I ask all my guests. What is your money story? Well, that is a real big question, isn't it? And, um, you know, as I was thinking about coming on with you today, I was thinking, goodness me, what is it? What is my money story? Because I've actually, prior to meeting you, which was um, luckily for me a good few years ago now, (laughs) Um, I didn't really ever think about my money story. I mean, I had little stories that I told myself in my head, but that never, well, I never really put any meaning to them, if that makes sense to you. Yeah. So I think I, I probably need to go back to when I was a little girl with my bunches, you know, um, very cute, not anymore. <laughs> Oh, you are so cute. Oh, thanks. I'll Just take that. <laughs> I'll take that. Um, but, uh, you know, of, as to the sorts of things that went on in, in the house, I guess, and it's not things that were necessarily said to me, but it's things that I've realised about my childhood as I got older and and one, how lucky I was in one sense, but two, how sort of humble and lean, I would say my upbringing was in terms of money, I suppose is the right way to say it. And, um, you know, my parents split when I was six. So there was all sorts of different hardships with splitting household and all of that, that they went through. And as a consequence, you know, our family um, as kids, we, we were brought up then with a 
sort of wider family with my cousins. So from two to five and um, five from six till about 18, I suppose. Um, you know, so making the the housekeeping, as they called it back then, you know, my auntie making all that split um, to feed the, the family of five. And, you know, I didn't realise what impact that had had on me until I was was older. That sort of, um, I suppose, if you like, that scarcity of money um, and that, uh, you know, if you work hard, it was almost you could just about make ends meet mm. back in the back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember over the years asking for things like you know friends were having piano lessons or whatever, and I'd want to do the same and not not you know being quite young and not really understanding, and you know having the sort of well we're not a pot of money you can come to every time you want something, and the old the the classic money doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> You know, and that that's kind of where I've come from. And I can see your face, Leslie. <laughs> you know, because if I think about it, that's probably why I get so concerned about money as a as an older woman. Um, you know, thinking about all that foundation of how that's worked in a I don't want to say against me because in a way it's been helpful because I've tried to be frugal and careful with money. Um, and that doesn't mean that I haven't learned nowadays how to have a good time either. But it it has made me think about how I talk to my daughter. Now, um, she's 15 going on 25. You know what it's like these days with teenagers. <laughs> Absolutely. I have well, I have two of them. One in particular is 16 going on 36, I think. Yeah, yeah something <laughs> like that. Absolutely. And they're just, um, I mean, she's just got this amazing sort of, um, well, I'd say she's showing traits of leadership already, in uh, even at her age. And I say that in terms of the way she conducts herself, but also her work ethic because she's had a, a job now for, for a while, um, started as a volunteer role, and now um, she's able to do a few hours a week um, to, to sort of you know, earn her own pennies, if you like, and do her own thing. And, you know, it's lovely to see that she understands that not all that money can come from me all the time, that she's got to make her own way. And, um, you know, but I hope that it doesn't go to the extreme because sometimes she's like, I can't wait to get a job and, and really earn my own money, you know? <laughs> which, which is lovely in terms of that ambition and desire to make something for herself. But at the same time, you know, I don't want her to rush, you know, don't want her to be rushing through her childhood and, and not enjoying that at the same time. So I think, you know, she's finding that balance that's right for her, which is, is really lovely. Um, but I, I love that as my life has evolved and I think about opportunities for earning money, I guess, as I call it, sort of grew up. And um, for me, it was very much that, that traditional approach. You know, 
that that you would go to college and then you'd get a job or you'd go to university and then get a job. And, you know, that was kind of the progression. Yeah. Now I'm happy to say that I'm able to show my daughter that I've got my own business now. And yes, I have some um, contract work as well as alongside that. But she understands that actually there's a whole different world out there. You don't have to go to um, university if you don't want to, or you can do it later in life like I did. Um, You know, that there are so many other opportunities to make your money and and create your own story around that. Um, So I suppose what I'm saying, Leslie, is that although I've had this sort of um, humble, traditional kind of lean background, I've tried not to let that influence my daughter too much in the way that she wants to create her own story. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, today, in today's society, you know, we are far more aware than probably our parents were of our behaviours, the result, how that results in our children's behaviour or their set of of beliefs, etc. I just mm. want to go back to what you said about, you know, money doesn't grow on trees and why I, why I smiled about that one. Yes. Uh, and the reason I smiled is, is I have a different view of money doesn't grow on trees. And I think that is reflective of my upbringing to a certain extent, because mm. when I was doing my mindset training, um, accreditation, the whole thing of money doesn't grow on trees came up. And I said, yeah, but money doesn't grow on trees. So why is that such a a wrong thing to say? And it goes to show that actually it isn't certain phrases. It's it's the meaning we attach to those phrases. Because in our household, um, my boys both have got Xboxes and the controllers on their Xboxes, before they changed them to ones that plugged into their Xboxes, they had to have AA batteries. And I think there were four AA batteries per controller. So you can imagine how many batteries they were going through. <laughs> and we have a battery drawer in the house. And they would just go to the drawer and get batteries upon battery upon battery. And I used to say to them, guys, there isn't a battery tree at the bottom of the garden. Where do you think these batteries come from? Because mum goes to Amazon and orders those batteries. So actually, I don't think personally there's anything wrong with saying money doesn't grow on trees because I think until we start talking to our children about money and we tend to do that around about five or six possibly, you know, Mm. when they're in a sweet shop and wanting to have that and that and that and that, we don't actually start talking to them in terms of, I can't just go to the printer and print off more money. Money does have to come from somewhere. Now, talking about earning money in terms of it being hard, absolutely, that is a mindset that I don't necessarily think is helpful But I personally don't think there's anything wrong with talking about money doesn't grow on trees, because I think children can grow up believing unless parents establish with them 
a sense of the value of money. And that's what that phrase, I think, is meant to invoke, is a feeling of value. Mm. But until we evoke that sense of value and that sense of, I can't go to that tree and pluck off as much money as you might want me to pluck off, then children are not going to have that understanding. So that's why I smile, because I thought, you're thinking I'm thinking one thing, but I wasn't. <laughs> it it no. is the meaning we attach you know, to those things very, very much. Mm. And as far as your beliefs around money and thinking about how you are parenting your daughter, what do you think you are doing intentionally different to maybe what you experienced when you were growing up as a child? Yeah, well, I think it it goes back to that, you know, that meaning that you're attaching to things, doesn't it? Because it was a phrase that um, that I didn't necessarily like hearing, whether it's the money doesn't grow on trees or it's not an endless pot, whichever one you want to pick. And I think, um, you know, intentionally, I've tried not to say anything like that to to my daughter. And rather instill a good sort of, um, well, certainly now she's older, instill that good work ethic, you know, wanting to to earn the money for herself so that she can choose what she wants to do with it, whether she wants to save up for something. And she's saved up for a, a good few things and bought some really nice things for herself that she couldn't otherwise have had. Um, so intentionally choosing to to avoid those sort of, well, as you say, things that she can attach meaning to that might later impact negatively without you ever wanting it to. And I'm sure my parents certainly didn't want that to be the case. I think they were just trying to to instill the same thing, actually, in that, you know, the money does have to come from somewhere, as you say, Leslie, you know, and in this case, you've got to earn the money by working. And then, you know, then you're able to pay all the bills first. And then you've got the extra for any little extras that you can have on top of that, including your Xbox batteries. <laughs> exactly. Absolutely. And I think as well, you know, it's about instilling that sense of a value, mm. but also sense of self-worth. Because I mm. think when our children are able to develop a sense of pride that they have been able to make a plan with regards to what they want to purchase or create a budget that allows them to have the ability to have more things. Actually, we are creating that sense of independence and getting them used to the fact that they can't just expect their parents even if the parents can provide it. Mm -hmm. I don't actually think that is the reason why children should be given everything (laughs) because what you're doing is you're instilling a money story that is your money story. I can afford to give my child whatever they want without them having to work for it. Mm -hmm. What if their situation as an adult, is very different. What if they choose to go into a more vocational job that may not be as well paid as your your job was? 
you're developing a mindset for them that actually is not going to support them because they are going to have the money story that you gave them, Mm -hmm. which was you can have whatever you want because I can afford to give it to you Mm -hmm. rather than instilling that sense of valuing what money can do and valuing how you can influence its role in your life. So I think when we talk about money stories, it isn't necessarily a a money story based on scarcity or lack. It could be a money story, completely the opposite, that actually is not your money story as an adult. And that is when your sense of, I can't do this. I've never done it before. I don't know how to have what I want, how to create it, because my parents just gave it to me. Mm -hmm. And I think it is about exploring how you can help your child to value themselves Mm -hmm. and what it is they can do to influence the life that they want to have. And having a Saturday job, a holiday job, I believe goes hand in hand in creating that sense of self-worth, self-reliance and independence and it sounds to me as though that's exactly what you're doing with your daughter yeah you're absolutely right and you know almost to the point where she you know we we've had the discussion of you you never want to have to rely on somebody else you know you want to be able to look after you um you know and and she's very very savvy bless her she is definitely going on 36 as you said very wise head on such young shoulders. But, um, you know, I really do see that for her and try to instill that for her. And it's interesting when I see, you know, friends and how their sort of parents are managing things around them um, and the differences that you you see between the children and, and how they're behaving now at sort of 15, 16. Um, you know, depend, you know, in comparison to how you see your own child. So, you know, I've been noticing quite a bit of that um, recently. Um, but it, yeah, it's it's super interesting one for me. And that piece around values as well is so important. Um, and we have that discussion about what's important to her. Um, she knows what my core values are of trust um, and tenacity and courage. Um, you know, I've shared all of that with her mm. in terms of what that means for me and, um, you know, what that means for my relationship with her and with my husband and with other people that I, I'm friends with um, or the clients that I have and so on. And she's building that picture now for herself of what her own values are, A, around money, but B, around all of, well, life, you know, what does she value in life and what does that look like for her? So I feel like it's really exciting time because she's now in her GCSE year. And what does that mean that's next? She's talking about the potential of an apprenticeship because she can earn while she's studying. Yeah, of course. There we yeah. are already. Excellent. Um, you know, so uh, it's thinking about then what comes after that, or is she, you know, 
it's it's possibly hairdressing if it's that is she starting to build a client base alongside that so that she then gets into her own business straight away after the apprenticeship or you know she's the world is her oyster leslie actually which is lovely absolutely she gets that choice yeah which is fantastic you mentioned that you took the you know traditional route which was you know the same as me because that was how i was brought up Mm -hmm. you know go to school work hard get your a levels go to university get a job and i certainly never harbored any ambition whatsoever to run my own business until I was a parent and realized that the corporate job, you know, a couple of hundred miles away was just not going to work basically with having two small children. I wish I'd read Rich Dad, Poor Dad, you know, a lot sooner, which talks about exactly as you have those choices that are now available, Mm -hmm. that children don't have to follow the traditional routes that there are other options, you know, apprentices, going to work, going off traveling and then going, whatever it, you know, it might be. Do you wish you had followed a different route and started your own business sooner? It's a really good question. Um, because I'm a strong believer that, you know, and I don't want this to sound cheesy and cliche, but the experiences that we have make us who we are today. So had I not gone through my almost 30 years in corporate, got the experience I have today, become a leadership coach, you know, and then decided I was going to have my own business to go alongside that and so on, I might not have got to where I am today, it would be somewhere different. Mm -hmm. Now, what that would look like, I don't know. Do I wish I had it earlier? It would be interesting to know what it could have looked like, but I'm, I'm not sure I would change where I am because I don't know if I'd have been ready earlier. There is a small part of me that that's very curious, I would say, as to, okay, if I knew this at 18, Um, I wouldn't have had the experience to be a leadership coach at that age, but there may have been something I could have done at, you know, in my own business at that stage. And maybe it would have evolved later into coaching. Who knows? I like to think it would have because that's a real intrinsic part of who I am um, and has been going on for some I don't know, when was it, 2012 or something that I first started getting interested and wanting to to do it and, and say, dabbling in coaching. Um, So I think it's, yeah, there is a a curious part of me that would love to know what would have happened had I taken that different path. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, I went and presented... um, at a, a network meeting last week. And the network meeting happened to be uh, being hosted in a large solicitor firm's office in Bristol. And it was the first time I had been back in a properly corporate environment since I left about 12 years ago. Okay. Oh, and it was fantastic. Being back in that kind of, you know, the kind of the glossy building, the lovely toilets, the beautiful restaurant, et cetera, (laughs) et cetera. And I kind of forgotten totally 
about that side of of being in corporate life. And it did make me hanker for it a little bit, a little bit. But at the same time, you know, I'm like you. I don't think I would have been as an effective entrepreneur, business owner, etc., coach, if I hadn't have had that corporate experience. Mm. Partly because, you know, one of the huge benefits of being in corporate is the amount they invest in your own development, personal development, etc. But also to have those, you know, to have those opportunities to have to work out how to get the most out of the team, how Mm. to work effectively with other people, how to manage dispute, etc., etc., So whilst, like you, I'm curious as to, my husband started his business earlier than I did. Mm. Um, So I'm curious as to how that might show up differently if I had done things differently. Mm. But there's no regret for how things have shaken out because there's no point in having that regret with regards to what you do now and you know being a leadership coach what do you think are the skills required of a great leader oh that's a really good question Leslie and um, one that I like digging into (laughs) so thank you for that I think you know these days it really is about inclusivity and really flexibility um, and I'm I'm coming at this from a, a coaching headspace, really. But actually, it really does double up in the leadership space. So that inclusivity and flexibility, meeting people where they're at um, in terms of your team members. You know, if we think of traditional leadership, um, leading a team. So meeting your team members where they're at to get the best from them. Um, being able to understand, taking time, in fact, to understand the strengths in your team um, and how you work best together. If we think about that whole aspect of high performing teams and, you know, helping um, look at the sort of gap analysis, if you like, and bringing in those additional bits so that you then all work together as this sort of well-oiled machine, if you like, to get to the end purpose and achieve the goals that you all want together. There's something beautiful about being able to lead that that purpose forward and have everybody buying in and working towards the same thing um, where you're all, I suppose, to coin a phrase of a friend of mine, in your zone of genius, um, all delivering towards the end goal. but also that that flexibility in terms of you know being able to manage and cope with the challenges that come our way you know life isn't quite so simple anymore these days there's a lot of complexity um you know just a small part of that is in the technology space um you know we're no longer just dealing with um, chats in within the team we've got stuff going out on social media communicate 
communications across the the whole organization um internally and externally you know there's so many complexities different pulls on our time being able to prioritize and all of that so obviously organization skills and things come into it as well but really that inclusivity is probably one of the top things for me meeting people where they're at and being able to help them show up as their best and i i think you know in terms of that leadership coaching piece um people want to to have time to think you know we going back to the complexity piece there's so much noise going on so much demand for our time as leaders that you rarely take that moment to reflect on a meeting that just happened how do i feel about the conversations that happened there and the conclusions that we came to do i need to revisit that or you know you're so busy and rushing on to the next thing that none of that reflection takes place also you know i've just had this big project dumped in my lap when am i going to get thinking time as to setting up how we get that started who i want involved you know what um, who's on on the board to approve it you know all of those things that come with a big project you know they we're just not given the time to think we're just expected mm. to hit the ground running all the time and yes there is some skill in being able to do that but there's also i would argue a much greater skill in making sure you give yourself time to reflect think and evaluate before you jump in feet first so that's kind of the traditional side of leadership there's the less traditional side of leadership that i think a lot of people struggle with outside of the corporate space which is leaders in our own business yeah leading ourselves in life mm-hmm. my goodness me life is complex you know we we've talked today about being parents you know we've got that going on we've got business going on you know i've got additional contracts going on um you know how do we how do we make time to manage all of those things in our day to day so yeah flexibility inclusivity organization um you know and consideration and respect of others and i guess i'd bring in my um, my core values here lesley again in the you know my top top 3 values for for myself that I hold myself account to but also that I seek in others is that trust that tenacity and that courage to to go for things that's that's really interesting because very often we can compartmentalize or put into discrete boxes working in corporate being a leader in corporate mm. or in a big business and being you know a leader in your own business and something that i wrote down there was you know we you know as entrepreneurs as business owners we're encouraged to work on our business as much as we work in our business yes. and we seem to think of that as being the domain you know of the of the small business owner of the SME, but not the domain of the of the larger business. When absolutely it is, you know, as you said there, putting having time to think, to be strategic, not mm. just to be reacting because that that big project's been dumped in your lap. But equally, money mindset is very often thought of as 
not being in the domain of a corporate or of a salaried person, mm. when actually, because your money mindset is so tied up with your sense of self-esteem, self-worth, mm. self-value, if as a leader, you are not managing those things, then that is going to affect your staff, your team, as much as it will if you are running your own business mm. as well. So how does an effective leader address ensuring that their team is feeling valued, that their self-worth is where it needs to be in order for that team member to show up as effectively as they can and not allowing their limiting beliefs to be manifesting them in their 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 working day yeah and you know it's all about this term that you may have heard previously around psychological safety as a leader you have a um you know uh what's the word um can't think of the word, but uh, you should be creating psychological safety for your team. Um, and it, if you don't, it makes it very hard for them to show up and feel safe to be themselves. And what I'd mean by that is, um, you know, if I like, well, let me give you an example. I like to run my teams, um, team meetings very openly so that everybody feels they can have a say, share what they think. Um, and because in my mind, you know, 10 heads are better than my one if we're looking for a solution for something, for example. Mm -hmm. So I've naturally created a space where they feel safe to do that. You know, there, there would never be a time, no matter how random or off the wall their suggestion was that I would make them feel small and stupid for saying it in, in a meeting, you know, that would be totally alien to me. So it's being able to hold that safe space for your team to allow them to show up and blossom at their best in that moment. And don't forget, if you've done that great work on making sure you've looked at the strengths of the team, you've worked on the values and the collective purpose and goals of the team, then you're welcoming and embracing and being inclusive about that diversity that you want in that team to make it high performing. So therefore, allowing them all to share their different lenses as you're talking about different things um, and enabling them to feel safe to do so, welcoming in those things. You know, that doesn't mean every single thing everybody says is fab and that it's going to be taken on and as part of the solution. But it's, you know, there are ways of that, you know, that's a really great idea. Not sure that's going to work for, for what we're talking about here. Can we talk about it a bit more? And if not, can we park it for something else that's coming down the line? And I'm sure we'll be able to use it for that. You know, so it's helping them feel valued in what they've shared. So there's there's the psychological safety piece, which is is huge in helping to do that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And going back to the, you know, the very first question I asked you with regards to what is, you know, is your money story? And you reflected back to, you know, where your money story started, which is mm-hmm. the same for everybody, largely, you yeah. know, in their childhood. How far would you say that relationship has now changed in terms of where you are in your adult life? Well, I would say that even as old as I am, Leslie, I probably had a breakthrough this time last year with it that made me understand how significantly it's changed. And that was when I was looking for my next contract. Suddenly the money didn't matter anymore. Now, I'm not saying I don't need the money and, you know, that's not important, but it wasn't the driver. It suddenly was way down the list of priorities. What actually mattered was, what's the values of this organisation that I'm looking at working with? How do they show up? What opportunities are there for people? How are they looking after their team members? What's the purpose? What's the mission? That was all so, so much more important to me than the money. And the money, you know, was, yeah, way down the pecking order. Mm. And that was a real moment of clarity for me to say, actually, I'm, I'm okay with this. You know, I, I feel like I've really moved on. And not that I consciously prior to that thought, oh, I'm stuck in my childhood, you know, in scarcity mode or whatever. Um, but that's honestly the conscious moment where I noticed that yeah. switch for me. Yeah. And and I think, you know, that that very often is the case. We've come to a realization a little bit like, you know, being on a car journey and suddenly kind of reaching the turning on the motorway that you need to take, but not remembering the last 25 junctions because you've been in your head. And I think, you know, kind of going into that trance almost. And I think sometimes we get a realization thinking that it's happened in that moment when it hasn't. It's been lots of little changes along the way that we haven't necessarily taken much notice of, but all of a sudden something happens and it's like, oh, my thinking has changed about that. Mm. I've let go of that. I no longer feel quite as strongly about that. I can now forgive that person because that length of time has gone between Mm. the argument and something else. And I think sometimes just allowing these things to happen rather than in fixating on creating that change, sometimes Mm. just relaxing back and, and letting be what will be can be a really healthy approach to have. And that seems that's what's happened to you in terms of you deciding last year, what's the the next right step for me to take? Yeah, you're absolutely right. And it is always, and I call them ridiculously small steps, so ridiculously small, you can't possibly help but achieve these things along the way. So it's definitely a series of ridiculously small steps over the years for me. And another big part of that was connecting to my purpose, because that totally changed everything for me three years ago, and really helped me have a completely different outlook on on life, the way I make decisions, how I approach my work, how I approach my home life even, you know, you can't help, 
you can't say, oh, I've just connected to my professional purpose. It's, it doesn't work like that. You know, it permeates through everything we do. Um, and, you know, leading from that purpose in everything that I do has really, really changed things for me. And I think it does make it feel as though that that part of the puzzle has clicked into place. Yeah. Yeah. That's a lovely way to describe it. Yeah. So how can people connect with you, Paula? Well, um, lots of different ways, Leslie. Thanks for asking. And one of those ways is, um, you know, as a leadership coach, I thought it was remiss not to um, start my own podcast <laughs> so that I can reach lots more people and help them in their own leadership journeys and um, how they choose to show up as the leader that they want to be. And I do that through the Game of Leadership podcast. And it's the podcast for curious leaders. Um, you can find that on all the usual channels, Apple, Spotify, etc. Um, but I'm also very much um, my home social media, if you like, is LinkedIn. So I'm known as Paula Eddie Wilcox on there. Um, so would love to connect with anyone who's interested in just having a chat or learning more about leadership coaching or connecting with your purpose, anything like that. I am also on um, Facebook and Instagram under On Point Leadership, which is my company um, where I do the leadership coaching through. So that's that's how you can connect. And we'll ensure that all of the details are in the show notes so people can easily find the podcast and easily find you as well. Thank you very, very much for coming on. I've loved our conversation. And even though we've known each other for a few years now, what I love about these guest episodes is you get a chance to drill in a little bit deeper and to know a little bit more. So thank you for coming on today and sharing your money story. Oh, you're so welcome, Leslie. It's been an absolute pleasure. And you're absolutely right. You know, we we chat about all sorts of things all the time, but we've never talked about this. So it's been really lovely to to dig into it and have a um recognize a couple of those moments that have changed things for me. So thank you for that opportunity. Brilliant. Thank you very much. Until next time. Take care. Thanks very much for listening to the latest episode of the Let's Talk Money and More podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it. If you would like to better understand your relationship with money, then please head to the resources section on my website, the Money Confidence Academy, and download my monthly money mindset audit. This will allow you to create a benchmark for where your relationship with money is right now and allow you to continue to measure it on a monthly basis as you do the inner work to improve it. You will also find a copy of my Money Archetypes Assessment at the same time, which will allow you to start to really understand which are your three primary money archetypes driving your relationship with money and how to use this information to make, spend, keep and invest more money. Or if you are a female online business owner, why not join my free Money Confidence community over on Facebook? A link to the group and other ways to connect with me can be found in the show notes. Finally, if you have enjoyed listening to the podcast, please do tell others about it. And I would love it if you rated it and gave a review.